Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together. Matthew chapter 6 will be in verses 25 through 34 once again this morning. Next Sunday is Father's Day, all right? Next Sunday is Father's Day. There's something going on between now and Father's Day. I'll remember what that is. But also, uh, next Sunday, Russ Boy, one of our elders, will be bringing the message. So I want you to be praying for him this week as he is preparing, and God will use him in the life of this congregation as he opens the word next Sunday, one service once again throughout the summer at 10 o'clock. So be praying and be preparing for uh, God to use him and speak the word through him that this congregation needs to hear. Aren't you excited about this? I'm excited about this. Seeing the process of discipleship just going forward in this body of believers. We had a great time with the men in our first study, July, uh, the second Saturday of July or the first Saturday, um, I forget, second Saturday, we'll be getting together again as men. So uh, guys, we just had a great time. I invite all men, be part of that eight o'clock. You can see that in your bulletin and online, everywhere you can find the information. Let's go back to our sermon now of overcoming anxiety overcoming anxiety, that when Jesus says, fear not, do not be afraid, do not be anxious, he is the one that in fact then is able for us to obey and put this into practice. Have you been thinking about it this week, the areas that you have struggled with fear? There is no diminishing that Jesus is doing here to say that concerns are not important to him. They are. They're very important. But being overly concerned about things that are not ultimately most important, that's what is at the heart of this this message. When we get to the heart of what we're afraid of, what we fear, often that's where we find our treasures. We just came through the passage, don't lay up treasures here on earth, but store up treasure in heaven. Now we get to the the root of our fears is what, what is it that I don't have that I want? And what is it that I have that I might lose? And then if we're honest, we will lose all of these things that are earthly and temporary in time. And that unsettles us at first glance. But when we listen to what Jesus is saying, then we can hear him calm our fears and quiet our doubts. So we lean in. We lean into what he is saying. We said it last Sunday, the command repeated throughout Old Testament and New Testament over 300 times, really one time for every day of the year, do not fear. Why do you think the Lord had to repeat that so many times? He knows us. And Jesus became one of us and he understands what we are going through. 
Jesus now enters into this section of his sermon. We as disciples in that day when they were listening, they needed to pay attention because this is a subtle area that can ruin our effectiveness and we can lose our testimony for Christ if we are more afraid of what people think of us, if we're more afraid of what man might do to us than we are of being in awe, in wonder of God. So we get to the heart of this and we ask the question again. People of God, people of grace, is there anything different about us? Do we blend into this culture or do we stand out for something that is salty, something that is like light, that is refreshing, not just obnoxious and unkind and mean, but something that makes people hunger and thirst for righteousness? And then the question comes up, Is there room in your family? Does your father in heaven have room in this family for me? And the answer forever and always will be for the living, yes, there's room at the cross for you, right? Though millions have come, there's still room for, put your name in there. Room for one. There's room at the cross for you, but you must come. I cannot come to the cross for you. I can invite you. I can call you. Your loved ones can tell you and urge you, but they cannot make you come to the cross. The Spirit of God can do that in you. So Jesus moves his focus toward two two different types of individuals. There are those who have a lot, Store up your treasure. Well, I have, I have plenty. What am I going to do with it? Build more barns, another house, another toy, another thing, another vacation, another, another, another. They have something that, but then there's another group of people and they don't have their daily need and they are concerned. They are tempted to worry. And Jesus says here three times, do not be anxious. And that is on our worship guide, how we have broken up the outline of this sermon. Therefore, do not be anxious. And we've been, we'll be interchanging different words to describe what it is to be anxious. But that's three times, and Jesus is saying in the tense, stop being anxious. Stop worrying. Stop it already. Now, Jesus asks five questions, and we looked at this last Sunday, but today, to to summarize that first section, I want to just touch on those questions, and I want to let those questions ring out in our ears and in our hearts a little bit. In verse 25, Jesus says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Think about that. What you eat and what you wear. You ever been near someone or in an accident and they come? I was, as a kid, there was a man and my brother-in-law were burned in a fire on our church property. When the EMS showed up after that explosion, they didn't care one bit about his clothes. They cut them off as quickly as they could to save his skin. 
clothes, they didn't check the brand because his life was way more than the clothes that were on his body. Jesus is on to something here, and anyone who reasons this out will say, he's right. He's right. The second question, after he says, look at the birds, he says this, are you not of more value than they? Anybody do a little bird watching this week? And think about the Lord is still providing for those birds and they still don't have a refrigerator or any type of a Yeti cooler, you know? The Lord provides every day. Are you of not more of more value than the birds? Yes. Third question, verse 27, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Can you add any digits to your number of years by worrying? Oh, I hope I live longer. I hope I live longer. I hope I live... Heart, fail, stress. Here's your medication. Calm down. Doesn't help. Fourth question Jesus asks, and why are you anxious about clothing? Why are you worried about clothing? The moths eat it. There's your enemy. Silent little moth. Snack. Lunch. Doesn't care what the brand is. Isn't your life more than that? Why are you anxious about clothing? Well, you don't understand. If I wear that brand to school first day, everybody's going to laugh at me. These are real issues. These are real concerns that I, we can't just say children have. And in verse 30, Jesus says, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And here's the root of our troubles. O you of little faith. Our whole first point from last Sunday was questions, questions, questions. Jesus is an amazing master teacher. Remember what I said last week? Do you really need more information and more lectures when you're worrying? Does that really help calm your fears? So Jesus is doing what he did best and what I want to do more and more like him. And that is instead of showing up with, I got the answers, here I am. Usually I don't. Ask the questions that get to the heart. Layer, like peeling an onion, layer by layer, get to the heart. What is the source of your anxiety? Because that's where you find what you treasure, what you love, what you can easily and I can worship. That's the key to this. Now remember the tone of Jesus. How is he speaking this message? In love. He's giving this in love. He's talking to his disciples and he's telling them no matter what happens, you have a father in heaven. No matter what happens, they're gonna need this because all of the apostles would be martyred except John, the elder. 
they're going to need to know that when I pass through the fire, there's another in the fire standing next to me. And when I go through the waters and when I go through the valley of the shadow of death, the reason I can fear no evil is because the one that kicked the teeth out of death is walking with me through that. I don't ever have to be alone. I will never be alone. I've put that song on repeat and let it just sear my brain and my heart. There's another in the fire. So we will go through the fire. But listen to me, beloved. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you will never go through any diagnosis any tragedy, trauma, difficulty that you will ever be alone. And if you don't know Christ, you can't say that. But you're invited to come in and experience this. Know God. This message is directed to disciples of Jesus but it's an invitation that people who are not yet a disciple of Jesus would say, can I be a disciple of Jesus? How does this happen? We're gonna see this unfold today. So back to your Bibles, Matthew 6, verse 25. We're gonna read this. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the, uh, into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. To summarize last Sunday, disciples fight anxiety. By listening to Jesus, we're going to learn where to look. We listen and we learn where do we look. Number one, do not fret about your life. And we covered this last week. Sermons are always posted generally Sunday afternoon, if not Monday or Tuesday. You can find them all through our, our podcast. All those links come out in the Friday email. They're on our webpage. Um, I I, I put myself through it. I listen to these messages uh, to just hear back what is being, what I've said. To be encouraged in that, to share this message. Where do we look then when we're tempted to fret about our lives? Look at God's providence. He provides. 
We saw it last week. God has given us in verse 25, a life. He's given us a body. When you look into the mirror, what do you see? You can see your physical body that God has made you in his image. You can see that he has, if, if, you, you're, if you've given your life to Christ, he's created you and he's recreating you in Jesus Christ. That's what it is to be born again. He gives to meet the need of all creation. We see that in nature. He meets the need of all creation. Every moment of the day, he provides. And God then will give and supply all our need. We see this. So the question is, will you look to your Father in heaven? And this was all last Sunday's message. We will put our faith and trust somewhere, beloved. So for the person who says, well, you know, um, I, don't, I, I don't have faith. Yes, you do. You have faith in someone or something. The question is, will that object of your belief support the weight of your soul? God will give, this was last Sunday's message, and supply all our need. You can trust him. Look to your Father in heaven. Now, Jesus cut straight to the heart. In Matthew 16 and 26, when he says this, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Where are you trusting? If I just had this, if I just had that, if I just had this relationship, if they just, all of these things that we tell ourselves, and Jesus says, if you have the whole world and lose your soul, that is the greatest loss known to man. So disciples fight anxiety by listening to Jesus. Last week we saw, do not fret about your life. Look at God's providence now today. Number two, do not worry about your needs. Do not worry about your needs. Well, then where do we have to look? If I'm not gonna worry about my needs, then where is Jesus asking us to put our attention, our focus? Look to God's priorities. Look to God's priorities. Jesus says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the uh, pagan individuals, peoples is the word there, seek after all these things, what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. Your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's God's priority. So this morning, we're going to consider what Jesus gives to us to follow this up because this, you can hear someone say, what do you mean don't worry about my needs? Do you know how, how many needs I have? How am I going to clothe my family? How am I going to feed my family? And can I just say this, how our government is overstepping to interrupt the process of a man shall not work, neither shall he eat, and our government is destroying the value of mankind to say, get off the couch and go work so that you contribute to creation. Do you understand that's what God did when he put Adam in the garden? He didn't give him a lazy boy. He gave him a task, and he said, I'm gonna share this creation with you, and you are gonna be my viceroy, my representative, and our government is saying, saying, look to me, look to us, and we'll meet your needs. 
until the government doesn't want to meet your needs anymore. Until the government says, you disagree with me, then I stop your check. That's happened all throughout history, beloved. So once again, our faith and hope is not in the government, not Lansing, not Washington. It's Jesus who alone is a good king who laid down his life. Show me a government that rejects the scriptures and you'll find a perverted, polluted government where it's bad primarily for children and women and the poor. Do your research, right? History is filled with this. So as we come to this, Jesus is giving to, he doesn't, the, the bird doesn't sit in the nest with the mouth open, feed me, feed me. He has to go fly and get the worm and bring it back. If a man shall not work, neither shall he eat. But we trust the Lord. We can't make there be jobs. We rely on the Lord to provide. And let me preface that with, if you're able, all right, that's not diminishing someone who's not able to work. But those who are able, have you not seen the help wanted signs everywhere? That was all free. That was all extra. I don't have that anywhere in here, okay? That was just there. All right, so back to the message. Consider two reasons. I did tell my daughter that, that uh, I sent her a message last night about eh, 8, 8.30. I was like, well, about... About now, next week, I should be almost wrapping up my sermon. Be the longest sermon of my life at the wedding, you know. We're going to start with Genesis 1-1. In, uh, she said it this morning, in the beginning, I said, no, 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 in. We're going to talk about in. <laughs> and then it followed by the. Let's talk about the. How many times it's used in the, anyway, that's just, I'm just on all kinds of rabbit trails today. All right, so here, two reasons not to fear, and someone says, well, Why? And there's the word, write it down, because. Okay, your Bible says maybe four. And Jesus says, let me give you the reasons why. Because. Unbelievers worry about their daily needs. This is in verse 32. The lives of non-believers, those who don't know Christ, they're summed up, they're defined by, they're devoted to the temporary needs. Servants, what am I gonna wear? Clothing, shelter, where am I gonna live? What are we gonna eat? And if we make more money, we can eat in finer places and nicer places. And what are we gonna drive? And the more money I have, then the more things I can have to drive and the nicer things I can have to drive. And what clothes are going to be? All these things. That sums up the life of a non-believer. Show me a person at the end of life that wished they would have had, if I could have just had one more shirt. If I just could have had one more brand name. If I could have just had a nicer car when I turned 16. Nope, not important. Not ultimately important. And death has a way of filtering through all of those things. When these servants that are temporary become idols, food, drink, clothing, they make bad masters. They make evil masters. Sinclair Ferguson says it this way. He says, when your anxiety is about what you eat 
or drink or the clothes you wear. It's not long before your whole life and your happiness seem to depend on these things. Now the servants have become your master. So I hear guys say things like this. Well, you know, Sunday's my only day off and that's my day that I got to get all my stuff done around the house. So now you're a servant to your house. Your house can't redeem you. Your yard can't redeem you. I need to work more overtime. Okay. And who's going to shepherd your family and show them the ways of God and lead them to the throne of grace and worship in the congregation? If not you, who, who did God give to your children to see do this? And you're going to give that up for what? Now, those are the questions that we have to think through, beloved, because these things are good things that can become masters and then they become evil things. And then our children get the message that this sport was more important than God, that this pastime was more important than God, that doing this, that, the next, the other, and that isn't to become legalistic to say you can never, you know, be gone or take a trip. No, that's not true. But it's always the Lord's day and you and I are not waiting for the, the, the email to come from the church on what days we can take to, to not be in church. We are always taking our schedules, our checkbooks to the Lord and saying, am I stewarding my time, talents, and treasure or am I being enslaved by my time, talents, and treasure? Are we catching this? Like this is, this is one life, parents, one shot. You think I'm joking about your children being dedicated and then down the aisle in a blink? Some of you are like, we've been there, done that. Edward T. Welch, a resource I'll commend to you, running scared, fear, worry, and the God of rest. A resource that I commend to you. Here's what he says. Whatever you think you need will control you. If you need something from other people, love, acceptance, approval, then they hold the keys to something very valuable to you. You will live in fear that they might not deliver. You will fear those who are, at, who are the gatekeepers to the fulfillment of your needs. What if they don't approve of me? What if my spouse doesn't fulfill me in all the ways that they should fulfill me? They're the gatekeepers to your happiness. God's the only one that does not disappoint. He's the only one that can bear up the weight of our souls. Jesus described the thorny ground here, that soil, as a person who began well. They came in to the, the body of believers and they said, yes, I, I follow Jesus and I, I want to follow him too. And, and sometimes they go through the waters of baptism, they join the church and then something happens and they disappear. And Jesus describes it in Matthew 13, as for what was sown among the thorns this is the one who hears the word. And what happens, Jesus? But the cares, same word, anxieties of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. You know how these thorns grow, right? Weeds. If we can get the garden, my grass to grow like weeds grow, now that you can sell. Weeds take, no, they grow everywhere. My driveway grows good weeds. 
Think about this. The anxieties of this world, the cares of this world, and somebody who is running well, and they're choked. Jesus is saying, you have a father in heaven who knows exactly what you need. That's your second reason. Reason one, unbelievers worry about their daily needs. Well, why, why, don't, why are we different? Why aren't we like them? Why don't we worry about our daily needs? Have you forgotten already? You have a father in heaven and he knows exactly what you need. He loves you. He knows all your wants and he knows all your needs. And he takes care of birds and he takes care of flowers and he takes care of grass. Think you can trust him? Hmm. Now, Peter, on the night of the Lord's betrayal, remember Peter? Oh, no fear. Jesus, I'll die with you. Now, these other losers that you picked up, man, I don't know about them. You know, I'm watching this guy and that guy. But me, Jesus, you can count on me. And he gets in around there in the fire and warming himself. And there's the servant girl. Not your most formidable enemy. Hey, aren't you a disciple of Jesus? No. No. I swear by heaven, no. And the rooster crows. And the mighty man, the apostle Peter, is cut to the heart. In fear of what people thought of him, he denied Jesus, his Lord. So G Peter came to understand when he met with Jesus again on the shores of Galilee, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep, feed my sheep. I'm not done with you, Peter. I have a ministry for you. Peter writes, he understands, he cares. Follow me, cast all your cares on him. He cares for you. How do you know this, Peter? Because he cared for me and I didn't deserve it. So there's two reasons. And then we see that there's one pursuit. There's a pursuit in verse 33 that displaces fear. That's what we have to have. We have to have one pursuit that displaces fear. And this is where we get the word but. Important word. This is an about face. This is a drastic change. Because we're going a different direction now. Instead of being like the non-believers who, who worry and have anxiety about where is it coming from and how can I have more and how am I not going to lose what I have and what about the stock market and what about the economy and what about the next election and ah, and Jesus says, but my disciples, you got your ears on. Are you listening? Can I talk to your heart? Here's the one pursuit you're given that you will never be disappointed. And that is seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. That is a pursuit that is unfading and unfailing. And that's what Jesus is saying. Here's two reasons, but here's one pursuit. And this pursuit will push out all those anxieties. 
So instead of living, I need to stop worrying, stop worrying, stop worrying. Oh, I'm worrying again. I'm worrying that I'm worrying. Jesus is saying, fix your attention somewhere else. Fix your eyes on him. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, it says in Hebrews. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus we saw last week. That's how our fears and worries, they don't stop being important, but they find the perspective that we need. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus, he talks about having a fear that displaces all other fears. If I have a fear, an awe, a wonder of God, then I'm not in, in a servant position to the fear of man. I'm set free by a greater fear. The kingdom of God is superior to all other kingdoms because this king is omnipotent, all-powerful. Our kids are going to see this this year in Bible school, focusing on the attributes of God. He's not like anyone. You can't compare him. Well, you know, King Nebuchadnezzar, he, he's kind of like, um, no, he's, he's been dead a long time. He's not like God at all. The kingdom of God will outlast all other kingdoms. This king is eternal. He's omnipotent. He's eternal. Now, I mentioned Nebuchadnezzar. Listen to what he said. If we were to interview him today, pull up a stool, you know, King Nebi, tell us about what happened. He would have a story for us. He would have a testimony for us. Daniel chapter 4. Verses 28 through 30, this guy was so impressed with himself. You might work with somebody like this. Hopefully, you're not married to somebody like this or in your family or this isn't you. But this is King Nebuchadnezzar, and uh, honestly, we can all be like this. Verse 28, Daniel chapter 4, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar, okay? He was told, you need to repent, you need to turn. He's like, I'm the king. Who do you think you are telling me what to do? I'm the king. Didn't you see it on the door? Nebuchadnezzar, king. That's me. Verse 29. At the end of 12 months, so he had a year of God's grace, he was walking on the roof of his royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, answered who? Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of King me, my majesty. Okay, do you hear the angle he has going here? Where is, what was he, Martin Leach? You know, Loystoles of the Rich. Where is that guy? Come check out my crib. Look what I have. I have built it all. I'm amazing. You're amazing. Thank you, I knew that already. But something happened that changed his tune. And seven years later, after he went insane and was in the forest, driven from his palace, seven years, can you imagine what this character looked like? Nails, dreadlocks. I mean, just he was a wild-looking guy after seven years of nobody wanted to get near him. Listen to what it says in verse 34. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, in case you forgot who's talking here, I have something to say, lifted my eyes to not my kingdom anymore, heaven. And my reason, now check this. 
He doesn't say, and I got my reason back. I made a good decision to follow God. No, 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 no. Do you hear who's in the servant position now? It's Nebi, the king. My reason returned to me. What'd you have to do with that? Nothing, I received it. And I blessed the most high, not me anymore, and praised and honored him who lives, unlike me, forever. Although he still lives on. And this is what he says. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say to him, not even if you're a king, what have you done? If God was good, then why did he let this happen? If God was good, then I'm in judgment seat of God. I'm sorry, what sun did you create? What galaxy did I create? What do I keep going of anything? Now I receive everything. I came into this world like you did with nothing but the birthday suit. And when I go out, that's all I'll have. That's it. We've received everything. Verse 36, at the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me, given back to me. My counselors and my Lord sought me and I was established in my kingdom. Do you hear that? I was established in my kingdom, not I established myself again in the kingdom. And still more greatness was added to me, added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven for all his works are right and his ways are just and those who walk in pride. Let me tell you, is this microphone on right here? He is able to humble. Well, what do you mean, Nebuchadnezzar? Beauty and the beast, there's your story. The kingdom of God, beloved, is distinct from all other kingdoms. This king is good. He's righteous. He's holy. His citizens become like their king. We're disciples and we're ambassadors. And everywhere we go, we say, come into this kingdom. You're invited into this kingdom. The, the one kingdom, this kingdom of the earth is passing away. There's a kingdom that is forever. And this king has come and died to make you, allow you, make a way for you to come into his good eternal kingdom. Won't you come? Will you come? His reign and his rule is extended through his citizens and wherever they go, they do what we're commanded to do, make disciples, go, baptize, teach. Teach them to obey everything and go everywhere you go and plant churches that'll reproduce and multiply everywhere with this gospel. But this comes at a high cost. This doesn't come with leftover time of the people of God. This doesn't come with leftover resources, chintzy cheap giving. It doesn't happen that way. It comes through sacrificial seeking the kingdom of God first. That's how the kingdom is advanced and not just crawling along, but massively propelled into the farthest corners of this earth. It's when the people of God get a God-sized, a kingdom-sized vision for their lives. Oh, may God give that to us. 
Paul said to Timothy, 1 Timothy, he wrote to him 4, verse 7, he says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Okay, so listen, all kinds of conspiracy theories and all kinds of political banter back and forth. Understand this is the command for the man of God and the people of God. We don't get lost in the whirlpool of the mess going on. We hold, we fix our eyes on Jesus because there's silly myths and irreverent all kinds of argument that will occupy and waste our lives. But here, rather, but train yourself for godliness. In verse eight, he says, for while bodily training is of some value, that's healthy, be healthy, that's good, But listen, Timothy, godliness is of value in every way as it holds a promise for the present life and for the life that is to come. Exercise, we need it. I've had to make some changes to fix the internal numbers and and cholesterol, all that good stuff from eating bad. I've had to address that. So the Bible's not saying, you know, ignore the doctor's advice, diet and exercise. It's saying that's important, but there's something even more important, and that is, are you spending time in training before the Lord and in his word and in the body of believers? Because that will benefit in this life and for all eternity. So are we helping the next generation to see the glory and the majesty of God in this way? 1 Timothy 6, 6, but godliness with contentment. And Paul says, for all the accountants out there, this is great gain. This isn't just gain. This is great gain. Godliness with contentment. So here's the question that we ask. Whose kingdom then am I seeking? First, mine or God's? Well, how do I know, pastor? Okay, once again, let's go back again. Go to your calendar. Go to your checkbook. That's where you find whose kingdom matters. What is important to you? Some people are like, now, like checkbook, receipts. Okay, look at your receipts. Get online and look where you spend your money and let the graph come up and let it show you what's important to me. That'll tell you. And then you just hold that to the Lord and say, is this pleasing to you? You work that out before the Lord. Now, two reasons not to fear. One pursuit that displaces fear and then claim one promise that's better than fear. Here's a promise from Jesus that displaces, just smashes fear. It just obliterates fear. He says, I'm gonna give you a promise. I'm gonna give you a promise that you can take, you can take it to the bank, the eternal bank. And so now the word is and. Okay, so we started with because. Here's your two reasons. And here's the about face, but, important word. Now he says, and, check this out. Let me throw this in. But wait, there's more. I have a promise for you. And this is the promise. All these things will be added to you. So my focus needs to shift in my war against worry. I need to stop trying to quit worrying and instead start seeking the kingdom of God first. I just have to look at my calendar. I have to look at my thought life. I have to look at everything and say, when I'm in idle, where does my mind go? When I have a moment to sit down, what am I thinking about? 
it's going to reveal what out of the abundance of the heart. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What's going on in here? Just sit down for five minutes. And what do you do? Some of us struggle sitting down for five minutes and not picking up a phone and start scrolling and being occupied with somebody else, something, trip, whatever, pictures. Here's a promise. All these things will be added to you. So here's what may happen. One thing that may happen when I claim this promise is my wants, my desires might just change. Oh, I really wanted this and I wanted that. But then when I, I started seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then I said, yeah, I don't really have to have that. No, my life isn't really defined by that. I knew a man that, that this happened to once. And he had something that he loved very much. It was a possession. And in time, his possessions, his value shifted. And that possession became just nothing to him because something else took over and was more important to him. And it was people who have eternal souls. And what he used to treasure was just an item. It was just gone. And he sold it and didn't even regret it. Didn't even mourn the loss of it. The Westminster Confession says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So when I'm thinking this way, some of the things that I value, they may change. The desires I have may change. The psalmist declared the reason for life and for our existence. Psalm 1611, you make me to know, make me to know the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So what we're saying in Christianity is not, you can't have fun and there's no pleasure and it's all killjoy. You don't know God. Once again, go back bird watching and go back in the field and look again at what he does with grass and how he gives us taste and drives and desires and who designed everything that we crave in life. Who, who do you think made that? He didn't make it to say, no, 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 like I can sometimes do. No, you didn't even hear me ask my question yet. Probably no, what's the question? That's not God. He loves his children and he will provide and he will meet their needs. But here's the thing, my needs will be met as God sees fit. That's the condition my desires may change, but my needs will be met. He knows what I want. He knows what I need. And he's a good, good father. And he takes care of birds and he takes care of flowers and he takes care of grass. So I can bring to him my requests for what I need, but I can bring to him requests for what I want. Isn't that the heart of a father? Hey, dad, can we get some ice cream? Sure. I know it's only 6.30 a.m. Let's go get in line at Dairy Queen. Oh, wait, they're trying to hire people. They don't open till tonight for one hour. Please, somebody go work there, right? Now, listen, my needs will be met. Memorization is good, but understand when we get to the Psalms, we get to these scriptures, meditation, thinking on it, 
letting it sink in, letting it, letting it all just kind of percolate and just simmer and just cook into our heart and our thinking that my needs will be met. God takes care of birds and flowers and grass and I'm of more value than they are. He's gonna take care of me and he's okay with me having wants. He doesn't smack you down, but he's growing you. Philippians chapter four, do not be, verse six, anxious about anything, Paul says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Bring them, but bring them this way. First pastor I work for, use that analogy. Are we living our lives with open hands because the Lord can put in, the Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, Job said. But when we hold life this way, these are my children, my job. These are my pastimes. These are my, then the Lord in time, he has to say, actually, that's not. And I'm gonna need that back. And that prying of our fingers, these, these things that were so important to us in love, the Lord will show us a better way. So Paul says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, on duty, guarding you. Now, who's preventing us from worry? It's the Holy Spirit. Does a much better job keeping me from worry than me. Do not be anxious. Sinclair Ferguson, again, he says, anxiety can never be cured by getting more of what we already have. Think about that. Anxiety can be cured only by the assistance, by the assurance that all our needs will be met by our king. That's what cures anxiety. I have a good king and he will meet my needs, every one of them. I can trust him. So disciples fight anxiety by listening to Jesus. We learn where to look. Do not fret about your life. Look to God's providence. Do not worry about your needs. Look to God's priorities. Evaluate those priorities in your lives this morning, beloved. And thirdly and lastly, verse 34, do not fear about your future. Do not fear about your future. How, how do I not fear about the future? Look for God's presence. Yeah, but I'm going through the fire. Didn't you hear the song? Can't you read in the Bible the three Hebrew children? They had no fear of the king. Oh, yeah, you can strike that band up again. Wasn't really that great the first time. If you want to and turn it up a little louder, you might blow your speakers. But we're not afraid of you, O king. Seven times hotter. Okay. It was just enough to burn off the cords and destroyed the men that threw them in the fire. And then the king says, excuse me, didn't we throw three in? Why do I see a fourth who looks like the son of man? There was another in the fire and no one else had that conversation. All the rest of the people that bowed down before the idol, the government idol, had dirt in their teeth because they were so afraid of losing their life. And those three Hebrew children said, we got to tell you about the conversation we had up in that furnace. Hey, boys, can you come out of the fire? We can't come get you. Sure, be glad to. Oh, and the testimony that came out of that. 
Is this microphone on? Everybody, these three serve a God different than our God. He protected them in the fire. Martin Luther's assistant, Philip Melanchthon, he just worried, 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 worried. Martin Luther would tell him, he would have this line that he would say to him, let Philip cease to rule the world. Let Philip cease to rule the world. Maybe that needs to be your name. Do you really think you can rule the world? How about you let God rule the world and you just be a steward of your life and trust him. Let the worries of tomorrow be for tomorrow. And Jesus says, and this almost sounds like an anticlimactic, what is this doing at the end of this sermon? And Jesus personifies like tomorrow. Let tomorrow take care of tomorrow. When exactly does tomorrow arrive? Is it tomorrow yet? No? Okay. So tomorrow's worries, I'm going to delegate those. Tomorrow, handle tomorrow's worries. But we have something even better than this. Because our imaginations can run wild. Now think about this. If somebody wrestles with worry and you put to bed one worry, what are they tempted to do? Yeah, but that was good for now and you calmed me of my fear now, but what about tomorrow? And how can I guarantee that that won't happen in five years and in 10 years? And what about tomorrow? And Jesus is saying, let tomorrow handle tomorrow. By worrying about tomorrow, you know what you do? You mortgage the present. What good does that do any of us? D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he says it this way. He says, so far, he's been looking at this problem as it concerns us in the immediate present. Now here he takes it on and covers the future also. He extends it and applies it to cover the whole of life. So I can trust him today. But what about tomorrow? All good. He has tomorrow covered. So live in the grace that God provides you today, beloved. He meets us in the presence. In the present, we have been given God's grace. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what kind of life? Eternal, never-ending, everlasting life. We've been given grace. We are given God's grace as we need it. But we're not given grace in advance. You're not given tomorrow's grace for today's troubles. 2 Corinthians 12. Paul learned this as an apostle, verse seven. And Paul writes, he says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Have you ever prayed and you felt like your prayer wasn't answered? Then you're in the company of the apostle Paul. Jesus even said, Father, if there's any way, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, your will be done, not my will be done. And Paul said, three times I prayed for this thorn in the flesh to be removed. But three times the answer came, verse nine. He said to me, 
My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For, read it with me, when I am weak, then I am strong. It's in the weakness that he meets us and says, I have grace for you right now. And he's never late. He's always on time. Oh, you of little faith, he doesn't give us tomorrow's grace today. But tomorrow, your father has that covered. And tomorrow's tomorrow, your father has that covered because we'll be given the kingdom. That's tomorrow. That's in the future. Grace, not because we deserve it, not because we can earn it. He's just simply gonna give it to you. Do you remember what Jesus said in Luke 12, 32? Fear, what's the word? Fear not. Little flock. Fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you a little bit of leftover. The kingdom, his kingdom that is forever. It's his pleasure to give you his kingdom. So don't fear. Don't fear. Can you trust him? That's the question. He's good. All things work together for good. Can you trust him? Will you trust him? You can trust him, but will you trust him? Listen to the words from Jesus, Matthew 11. And wherever you are, if you are a disciple of Christ and you wrestle with anxiety, listen to Jesus. If you need to turn and repent and become a disciple of Jesus Christ, listen to the words of Jesus. Hear the tone when he says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Why? For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Why? Because he bore the burden of your sin and my sin, the Calvary. And he did what we can never do so that we can have victory over an enemy, death, hell, and the grave that we would never have victory over. And he says, come to me. J.C. Ryle, he says it this way. He says this. He says, we are not to carry our cares before they come. We're to attend to today's business and leave tomorrow's anxieties till tomorrow dawns. We may die before tomorrow. We know not what may happen on the morrow. This only we may be assured of that if tomorrow brings a cross, he who sends it can and will send the grace to bear it. Take that promise to the bank. If there's a cross to bear, 
he'll send the grace to bear it. So summarize this, all right? What is the three? Therefore, do not be anxious. One, don't fret about your life. Look to God's providence. Don't worry about your needs. Look, for, look to God's priorities. Do not fear about your future. Look for God's presence. I am with you. And Peter learned this. The one I turned away from, he never turned away from me. So cast all your care upon him. For he cares for you. He cares for you. Humble yourselves. Oh, may we hear that and respond. Some questions for application this morning, all right? Where are you seeking your kingdom first or God's kingdom first? The other question is this, and it's at the bottom of your worship guide. How can trusting versus worrying be used by God as a powerful witness to others? The very trials that we're like, Lord, take this away from me. And the Lord is maybe saying, you don't understand who is around you and what I'm gonna do through you in this valley, in this fire. Trust me, trust me, trust me. I work all things together for good to those who love me, to those who are the called according to my purpose. So then what's your next step to apply this teaching from Jesus today? Take that step. Can we help you take that step? Take the step today. Do not hear the lie of the deceiver that says, wait, later, some other time. Take the step of obedience today. Let's stand together. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word, your timeless word. And I pray again this week that everything that is helpful, that you believe, that you determine, that you say is helpful will remain in the hearts and lives of the hearers. Anything not helpful, Father, let it just fall away. Lord, you are the one. You are our good shepherd. You care for us. You will meet our need and we can trust you. So may we not worry. And Father, you are the king of the ages. You alone are immortal. You are invisible. You are the only God. And so we say, as disciples of Jesus, as children of God this morning, to you be the honor and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com. Please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.